Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. All right. Hi, I'm Shana. And I'm Bryce. And this is Charmed. A Spellcast. A Spellcast. Ooh, that was a little (laughs) off. (laughs) Hey, you listening there. Have you heard about the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls in this patriarchal demon infested world they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones charmed a spell cast anyway hey bryce how are you uh yeah doing okay Hang- hanging in there um, I have been having an okay week. It's not been great, but it's not been like horrible. I know that you've been having a wildly busy week. Oh yeah, I a bit. It's been a lot. Um, it's a lot to hold down uh, two and a half part-time jobs in this economy. Oh jeez, Louise. Um, uh, jeez, Jesus, Lewis. Jesus, Lewis. Yeah, it is. But that's you know what? I'm grateful to have the opportunities that I do, and I'm also absolutely infuriated that uh capitalism is killing me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i feel that so way so it's it's mixed bag mixed bag yeah <laughs> i um, um oh go on oh no 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 you go oh my recent uh reflection on capitalism this week came when i was in a leadership meeting so my company's scaling and it's restructuring and my senior director was like oh i have a bunch of people with this senior title who have not had any leadership development. So he called a bunch of us who are senior analysts and we all had a meeting that was, I guess, supposed to be an intro to longer term discussions about leadership. But he basically selected like three passages from some old Taoist scripture. And he was like, what do you think this means? And I was like, it's anti-capitalist, Martin. It's it's a Taoist scripture. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it was great. All of the all of the passages were like, um, being a leader means doing nothing and letting the people act as they would, for they are uncut wood. And I was like, yes, uncut wood to share amongst the populace. Indeed. Uncut wood that everyone agrees to take mm-hmm. care of and uh, cut only when necessary. Yes, it is a resource that is meant to provide and sustain the entire community. Now, how did he connect it to your leadership position in a company? Um, I I think when I mentioned that I thought that the readings were very anti what Americans think of as leadership, he was like, that's fair. I also think that when people want to be leaders, they think they should be leaders with their own teammates or they think that they should be competitive with their own teammates. So they instill what people think is leadership, which in our minds in this economy is just like ultra competitive, um, uh, always make your voice heard, even if your voice doesn't need to be heard kind of thing. And that's especially toxic in a team environment. Oh, yeah. Incredibly so. Well, that's not incorrect. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like him. I think that he is thoughtful and he has a very interesting background. He has like a PhD in like ancient civilizations. So I think he's always thinking about 
things that are not necessarily business related. So um, it was an interesting exercise. Ultimately, though, I could have been getting work done, but it was fun to talk. Oh, man. Capitalism is killing me. <laughs> it surely is. Uh, okay. How about you? How's it been going? <laughs> oh, uh, capitalism has killed me. Uh, how about you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm doing okay. I can certainly complain. That phrase, can't complain, never true for me. Mm. Um, but I, the things that I'm complaining about are things that I think a lot of people are, complain about, and rightly so, which, which is that uh, in order to make a living uh, and, you know, a livelihood, a livable wage, I don't think that people should have to take on more work than they are able to capably do and not drain themselves. Mm -hmm. um, because as, as I mentioned to you before we started recording this, my focus is everywhere today. It is all over the place. I have very little focus and that's because I was working one part of one job in the morning and then during that I was also doing viewings for another job and then the other job from four to about seven had a meeting and then I was also figuring out when I had time to do freelance audio transcription so I think that all of these things, while they're all very interesting and I would love to be doing them, I'm not doing to my full ability because I have to rely on doing a multiple at the same time to survive. Um, so I think that I think that my work certainly is suffering for that, and it's suffering directly because my energy levels are nowhere near what I would like them to be. So. It's it's rough. It's like one of those things where you look at a at a at a situation and it's not only that it doesn't make sense from your perspective of things, but also if you zoom out a little bit and you look at the bird's eye view, it's like a jigsaw puzzle where all of the pieces are like just patently incorrect. They're all from different puzzles and you're like that doesn't make sense. Why would anyone do this? Mhm. So that's a little bit of how I'm I'm feeling about certainly about American job markets right now. Um, always about jobs in the arts as mm -hmm. well, but I know that that's something in a lot of different fields that it's almost an expectation that you're supposed to be too tired to do anything else when you come home from work. Mm -hmm. And... I think that that simply doesn't make sense. Yeah, man, I I thought about that when I was reading a book. I think it was a biography. It was like a memoir. Um, so I was reading a book about like a uh, someone who is a not a chef, but they make recipes. And they were talking about how when they were living in France for a while with their partner, they had all this uh, internal frustration because they thought that they were a failure they're like I'm not writing I'm not like creating recipes I, I need to be published I need to be an author and their partner was like oh you have such a an ambition which is fine but I feel like my ambition in life is to do my job 
and not be upset with it and then go home and be with my family. And that's like my priority in life. And I remember reading this book pre-graduation, so pre-entering the job market. And when I entered the job market, this book just kept like ringing in my brain. And I would always talk to people who had also just started their professional career. And they would always say the same thing about how we are taught to do what we love because then it'll never feel like work, except that everything you do will have to be work if you're trying to make a living wage off of it. So we're being kind of brainwashed. We actually talked about this recently. No, maybe like a year ago. But we talked about this at some point, you and I, about how we are brainwashed into this idea that we should work and we should do what we love as we work or as what we if we're not doing what we love as our career, then we are failures. Whereas some people consider their job just a means to do the things that they really do care about in life. Yeah, absolutely. We have had this conversation. I think it continues to become relevant. It always is relevant, but I think it comes in cyclically depending on what our positions are at the time. Like, how are we feeling about whatever work we're doing? How stable are we? Um, is there a pandemic going on? <laughs> for example yeah so but I do I do think it's a conversation that comes back time and again because sometimes you feel like you figured it all out and maybe you're working within the system well enough for yourself and then something occurs and you're like wait a minute no actually that was an aberration the system is wrong Mm -hmm. so yeah thanks for bringing that up because I think that's um that's certainly something that I didn't really figure out until maybe the last two years and even then I still have a really hard time with it because right now I'm, I'm in the in the very angry and kind of outwardly blaming state of like everything else is a failure it's a structural failure and it's not me I am not the failure but you know check back in with me in like a month <laughs> or so and see where I am yeah <laughs> about that uh I'm I think that the culture that most of our peers live in right now is one where it is normalized to have a quarter-life crisis. Ugh. It's like a quarter-year crisis. <laughs> uh, a quarterly crisis. A quarterly cri- <laughs> Hello, I'm bringing you in for the quarterly meeting. Uh, uh, quarterly yep. crisis. And that is the yep. end of the fiscal quarter. And right on cue, there's my crisis. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, that's very real. Oh, how frightening. Well, should we move on to something that's even more frightening? Uh, let's do it. Okay, love! Oh my goodness. <laughs> so scary, because you know that as they say in Charmed, love can be turned to hate. <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, anyway, I, I guess we already, was that our manner keeping? Um, it was, I feel. But I do have one thing that I did want to mention. So this is a bit of news for people who are in the Brooklyn area. Not all Brooklyn zip codes, unfortunately, but like majority of Brooklyn zip codes. There's something I've discovered recently called Cinch Market. And they're trying to build themselves as the alternative to Amazon. So Amazon, you can go on and you can just find like a variety of different objects from a bunch of different businesses. And you can just select one, buy a book multiple uh, um, items from different businesses and they come to you in one box. Cinch Market is Brooklyn-based. They have a network of local uh, businesses and um, like uh, e-commerce 
groups. And the idea is that you can go on the website and they have aggregated all of the items that these different places sell. And you can buy one from one, buy one from another, and then they will coordinate to create a box that will have all these items and deliver it to you. Um, and because it's in Brooklyn and because their delivering addresses are supposed to be only for Brooklyn, it should be close or similar to same day. So that is an exciting thing to check out. I don't know too much about it yet. So if it ever becomes like something that is not actually a good deal, then you should let me know so I can revise my recommendation. And I also do not recommend this for people who live in Sunset Park because I'm just out of their range of delivery. Oh no. I know, I tried to buy a, buy a bread knife and they told me they would not send me a bread knife. That's so sad. I really hope that they can expand their delivery to include Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, in Brooklyn, I, I think selfishly, that's the reason why I am advocating for it right now, because if we continue <laughs> to expand its its uh, demand, it will surely expand its supply. That's incredible. Well, thank you so much for giving us that uh, handy dandy tip. And maybe it'll work out for you, our Brooklyn listeners who are within the, the correct zip codes. Yes. Um, um, that was actually not an ad. Oh, no. Really? No. no. That's just a, no. a happy thing that I wanted to share and that I wanted to force other people to participate in so that I may reap the benefits. Well, excellently. Excellently? Excellent. <laughs> ah. Egg salad. <laughs> Egg salad. Great. Okay. My only other piece of manner keeping is that we are so fortunate to live in this time that um, I get to announce that the Criterion Collection has released their titles for the upcoming months, and among them is the classic Moonstruck. Ooh. And I am so excited. This is also New York, uh, New York relevant, because in Moonstruck, a, uh, a movie about Italian-American Cher... <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't remember what her name is in the movie. It doesn't matter. It's Cher. It's um, just Cher. <laughs> it's just Cher. Her family, her entire family is Italian-American, and they use the entire city of New York kind of as their back backdrop. They're like their playground, and it really informs the story and it informs their characters. So it's it's very important that I announce to you all that the Criterion Collection will have a beautifully restored version of Moonstruck coming out for you all, and you can see firsthand how Cher invented New York. <laughs> I am so excited to learn about the founding of this this Big Apple. I'm on the Wikipedia yep. page right now. Apparently Nick Cage is in this movie. Nick Cage is in this movie, and it's one of his finest roles. <laughs> I, Olympia Dukakis is also in this movie. I it's, see. It's fantastic. I got to check it out. Good. Wow. Good recommendation. Um, that brings me joy. And I hope that I can watch this movie and bring myself extra joy. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, we can have a virtual watch party. Ooh. Could be into that. In which we both get the DVD and then put them in at the same time. <laughs> and then you just hang on the phone, um, which is actually very, very akin to things that I would do in in elementary school yeah I, I think I distinctly remember having that experience because my cousin lived in New York and I lived in California we were like all right let's just press play at the same time yep that's exactly it beautiful uh 
how the pandemic brings us together. And um, I only say this so I can get through this. I have to make some sort of sense of it somehow. So, Moonstruck. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Shall we move on to... Well, actually, not just move on, but move into the wondrous, the bedazzling, dazzling, bedazzling, and dazzling <laughs> world the of the charmed ones in love in season two, episode 10 of Charmed, Heartbreak City. It was directed by Michael Zinberg, it was written by David Simpkins, and it aired January 20th. 2000. Woo! A new location. We're no longer in San Francisco. Now we're in Heartbreak City. Ooh, I wonder if they filmed on the same lots. <laughs> filmed on location. Every, yeah, everybody took a field trip. Okay, so should we do the, the uh, three storylines? Yes, yes, we should. Uh, okay, excellent. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. So, uh, well, Piper and Prue's storylines are pretty much, they're very similar, but I'll, I'll do uh, Piper's first. Okay. So Piper is assisting her sisters yet again in getting the demon of the week. A sister. And she's assisting. And at the same time, she is also having some assistance given to her by Prue especially because she is dating what seems to be just the greatest guy but throughout the course of this episode she's figuring out that she still does have some doubts and she still does think about Leo so that's pretty much it for Piper Prue, very similar, like you were saying. Um, she is dating who doesn't seem to be the greatest guy to the rest of us, but someone who she actively hated mere, mere episodes ago, but now has seemed to accept enough within her life to go on dates with him and to uh, like him, like, like him. Yeah, we don't know why, still. It's still a mystery. I would say. It's still a really big mystery why on earth Prue would like him. It was pretty forced. Mm -hmm. And it's still pretty forced. But hey, who are we to judge? Well, let me tell you, we're the hosts of Charm to Spellcast, <laughs> and we judge everything. Yes, this is Charm to Spellcast, where we judge Charmed. On yes, so the third story arc in this plot is with Phoebe. Phoebe has the meat of this episode which is that she is tasked with assisting a Cupid in recovering his magic love ring, which has been misappropriated by a demon who is bent on slowly killing him by breaking up all the matches which he's made over the years. And Phoebe is also being weirdly like told off by Cupid <laughs> this entire time about how her heart is simply too closed off for her to fall in love, and that's her problem. Um, but also, she ends up patching up all of the matches and saving the day. Mm -hmm. My impression of this episode was that I kind of thought it could have been really interesting to assess what is what it is like to feel as if you shouldn't love people and to thus 
try to sabotage or self-sabotage your relationships. I feel like we kind of kind of got close to there but it was so heavy-handed and all these heart-to-hearts were just like so not not as authentic as I thought they could be and I felt like it wasn't the episode that I wanted but I thought we could get to. I completely agree with you actually because I think that the topic of insecurity and doubt being like the biggest the biggest enemy within yourself um, and actually the biggest enemy in a lot of relationships is something that rings very true and all of it is is about communication and in exercising those inner demons so you're able to like safely talk to the person that you're interested in or that you're building a relationship with and actually give confirmation that they hear and see you and that your insecurities may have been valid at one time but that within this relationship they actually are not as relevant so it's it's all something that's like oh this could be such a great metaphor. You know, this could be really, really interesting and this could be done in a multitude of ways. But I think that you're right, that all the heart-to-hearts really weighed it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because of how heavy-handed they were. And ugh. how just... Ugh, I the, the thing that bothered me the most is how much... Phoebe was blamed for her matches not working out mm-hmm. and blamed on having a closed heart and that she started to adopt that idea for for the purposes of this episode of her having to then go and, and play intervention matchmaker kind of and, and soothing everybody's worries that she had to play into this idea Oh, one of one of her lines when she is attempting to reconcile a couple was that fear and love cannot live in the same house. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was something that I was like, bullshit, <laughs> they do. Have you ever met a human person? Wow, you um, tell them. That's so accurate. Yeah. <laughs> same house. What about the same body? You know, we're, we're very complex. So I, I do... Yeah, all that to say, I do agree with you that it was a concept that could have been fun or it could have been really interesting and and uh, sincere, but it simply ended up being a Phoebe falling in lust or love with a Cupid <laughs> and then changing her opinion of a movie in order to satisfy a date. Mm. you know what okay i think that they turned they tried to generalize it so like i know that the point of a metaphor is to try to create generalizations but i think that they generalized phoebe's situation into the idea that she does not know how to be a good partner and i think that the reason why people are so that have their own issues with entering relationships is very personal and we might have a lot of shared uh um shared insecurities but i think that the pathway that someone takes is unique and i thought it would have been really cool if we had like dived into her own personal uh the way that she's like formed conclusions about her ability to love and about her own personal um worth that would have been really interesting and would have still been generalizable but it wouldn't have been this like trope of you do not know how to just 
smile more. Yeah. <laughs> you know why you can't keep a man? It's because you don't smile. And it's because you don't let your guard down the minute a man walks by. Which leads me to my hypothesis about this episode, which is that all of this was made worse by Cupid being a cis straight white man. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I hadn't bad. Even, mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought about, like, what could we have changed in the episode. I just thought about what I didn't like and what I thought it was going to be. Ugh. I think that if we were to go into your in-depth kind of looks individually at, at Phoebe, for example, and Phoebe's insecurities, then it couldn't have been with a person positioned automatically to be Phoebe's romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Personally. That is what I think. And that's that's not to say that Phoebe could not have been attracted to to someone who was not a straight white man. But as the formula of this show and the roster of this show's guest stars go, it's probably impossible. Um, but I, there were so many things that happened in this episode that I was like, men are trash. Men are trash. <laughs> Cupid. Cupid, why? Why do, you, why do you find success or feel success in these matches? Oh, it must be. Because you two are a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one who tends to blame the women mm. more often than the men. Yeah. I mean, we even get to a scene later on where they try to reconcile one of the broken matches. And the person that they go to to start that reconciliation is the female partner. Yeah, exactly. That is the person that they go to first. They're like the it's weakest very interesting. link. Yeah, the weakest link. And also this the this is the person who is in, in charge of fixing it. Mm. It's it's very it's very, very odd. And um a few a few of the things too that Cupid does, such as like sneaking up on Phoebe several oh. times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a very odd like lack of sensitivity to how how would a single white female feel <laughs> or not white but like how would a single female feel about a large unfamiliar man you know trotting up behind her and being like i need your help <laughs> and shouting directives yeah yeah it's so, a those are very uncomfortable scenes very, very uncomfortable. And then again, of course, we already said this, but this overriding, like, you just need to open your heart because all the men wanted to fall in love with you, but you just wouldn't let them. It's like, buddy, what about the dudes? I'm sure they have problems too. Yeah, everyone's got problems. And everyone's got problems. You can't solve them. <laughs> But sometimes you can if you talk to a licensed therapist. And guess what? Cupid is not a therapist. No. That's the end of that song. Yeah, you heard it here first. Cupid, not a therapist. Not a therapist. Don't even try it, folks. Not even once. Did he even get his degree? No. He doesn't believe in degrees. <sighs> yeah, he just calls himself a love doctor. Unqualified. Uh, Unqualified. 
do you want to do you want to get started? Let's do the first scene. Oh my god, are we doing scenes? <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought we were just talking about how terrible Cupid is. <laughs> that I mean, that could just be the rest of the episode. I will probably just be talking about how terrible Cupid is for the rest of this episode. Yeah, I think so. Well, you know, let's go. Let's talk about the scenes in which Cupid is terrible. Okay. So, first scene, we have a man meddling. You're not Yenta. What are you doing? You're not Get Yenta. Get out of here. <laughs> Can that be the name of this episode? You're not Yenta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Get out of here. So, uh, Mr. Cupid, we don't know he's Cupid yet, is uh, with his magic, magic ring that glows red when he stops time a little bit and he talks to the subconsciousnesses of two interested individuals and suggests that maybe they should be interested in each other and if they are interested in each other then they should be a little bit more vocal with it and then that is exactly what happens the guy asks the girl out to coffee uh -huh. And the other, the only other important thing that I wanted to touch on, which I thought would have been the alternate title to this episode, is to begin the conversation with the, between this uh, paired couple, the guy, or maybe the girl goes, you survive Y2K, all right? And I, 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 ha I was thinking about that the entire episode, just the thought <laughs> that that is how you would begin a conversation with someone in early 2000. Oh, that's brilliant. I have been watching so many films like short films and features that are that are period pieces set in the 90s mm -hmm. um, into the 2000s, not quite into the 2000s yet, mostly 90s. But I, I'll know when when I see it, I'll know that it's an authentic period piece of the 2000s when they insert that line. <laughs> Uh, I almost wish that I was of dating age in 2000 so that I could I could use that as my starter conversation. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine if we were doing the show in the 2000s, this podcast? It would look a lot different. I, it would look a lot. It would look a lot different. I think it would be great. And I think that suddenly we would just have interested parties flocking to us from <laughs> our, our use of that line. Yeah. All right. So anyway, that is a very important part that uh, we are squarely in the 2000. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so Cupid wanders off, and uh, the other people wander off to get their coffee or whatever they do. But then Cupid gets mugged. Oh, oh no. He's accosted. Oh, no, no. There, He's accosted. Accosted. There is a very angry person who um, throws Cupid into an alleyway and against walls and against trash bins. Um, and he's like... I know what it's like to have my heart ripped out. I want you to feel the same. And he, like, plunges his fist, Indiana Jones, um, I forget which, which movie it was, style, into the chest <laughs> of the of the Cupid and, like, squeezes his heart. And then Cupid's like, you're killing me, Larry. Um, and then he steals the ring and says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this ring to break up all of your matches and give them hate instead of love. And then he scurries off. I'm turning love into hate and don't you just hate to see that ha, ba, 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 ba. <laughs> and then we shift over to the charmed ones they are all out on a triple date except phoebe got stood up so sad yeah and uh they are going to the movies with uh oh 
Jack and with Dan. I almost couldn't remember <laughs> Jack's name. Those uh, are just such... so. Uh, go on, go on. He's so nondescript. I know the way that when you said it out loud, I was like, "Wow!" The two most simple guy names in the entire world, Jack and Dan. They're terrible. They're terrible. They're terrible. You know what a good name was? Hmm. Andy. Oh, yeah, that's two syllables. Andrew, a full name. Uh, uh, Daryl, also a really good name. There's like a nice, like... Daryl, too. A long, like, rrr sound to it. Very sexy. <laughs> yes, indeed. This is the Daryl fan club. Um, anyway, so they all went and saw a movie, and it was not that good. But uh, some some people liked it, some people didn't. Uh, but the thing I didn't like was that Jack was like, I'll never understand feminine mysteries. Let's change the subject. When it was just like the the sisters were talking to each other about the movie. It was very weird. Oh, I did not pick up on that. I was, I was picking up, however, on Prue's pigtails. I think I was thinking about that the entire time. Yeah. Y2K and some pigtails. I know. And she, I was, feel you. she was kind of wearing like a jacket that looked like a little bit southwestern and i was like we're giving off real real cowgirl vibes yeah there was there were some very interesting hairstyles throughout this episode everyone was kind of leaning into this like almost 70s vibe with like flowers in the hair and Mm. ponchos and Mm -hmm. pigtails very interesting very, very interesting. I want to know who the costume designer was for mm-hmm. this episode. I had that exact same um, thought. How, how very interesting. You know what's not interesting? Oh, do tell. Phoebe's getting stood up. Who would not be interested in going on a date with Alyssa Milano? Well, I can tell you. Cupid knows. He says, I know why you can't find love. And he says that to Phoebe, who's about to go home because the other couples are going to coffee and she feels a little down. Why on earth would you think that is the right way to approach someone? <laughs> I just, I, my goodness. Yeah, how horrifying. I, I also know why she can't find love. It's because men are trash, Cupid. This, That's, sorry, go on. That's it. If Phoebe has boundaries, that's it. Boundaries and standards. Yeah, what what a scary occurrence to cross many boundaries, to go up to a stranger and say, hey, person whose name I know, I know intimate details about your life and how you're feeling. And also, I am sweaty looking and uh, scary. Yeah, terrible. But that's okay. We get a reprieve from it because credits. Credits. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 I am the sun and the air and then we come back we come back to actually not really any san francisco interestingly um or if it was it was brief enough that i missed it Mm -hmm. and phoebe is waking up the next morning in the manor and trying to find the gals and nobody is home so sad they both slept over and phoebe is feeling so alone and so when the phone rings she just yells into the empty air i'll get it uh-huh and on the other end of the line is prue and prue is just talking about how she was staying over at 
uh, Jacks, and they just talked and whatever. And Phoebe's like, okay. And then suddenly Cupid is in the manor. He's inside the house. The call is coming from inside the house. The call is coming from inside the house. And he freaks her the fuck out again Mm -hmm. because obviously have you not learned like Uh, what (sighs) yeah but we do kicks his butt yeah we do get a really fun like kick him in the chest and he like gets bowled over kind of scene um and then prue hears the commotion on on the other side of the phone and she's like ah and she grabs her her southwestern poncho and gets ready to go come to phoebe's assistance 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 if you will um, meanwhile, Piper is at Dan's, and Dan has made Piper a beautiful little breakfast tray, which is very cute, uh, with a little rose, and also a little black box. <gasps> Jesus fucking Christ, Dan, don't do a little black box. <laughs> Just, like, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm, I'm glad that he yeah. was was immediately like, it's not a ring, don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> Why would you put a necklace into a ring box? Yeah, especially with such a nice breakfast. Mm-hmm. I um, could eat the box. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, so Piper's also wearing a choker, which is very fun. Uh, I'm glad that chokers are coming into style because I do remember that that was like a big thing early 2000s and then they went out of style and then they took a resurgence like mid-2010s, and then they're back out of style again. But I do like them a lot, so I'm glad that we're seeing it right now. Me too. I'm just waiting them for them to come back again. Just a little stretchy ones. Yeah. I want to feel like I have a collar on. Like a little fancy collar. Bryce, you can also just buy a collar. Oh. No, I have <laughs> to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta wait until it's appropriate. Until it's a trend again. Mm-hmm. I need people to think oh. I'm fashionable. Oh, okay. You know what? I I don't know if you should worry about that in waiting for chokers to come back. <laughs> I think uh, if you want to get a stretchy little choker for yourself, nobody would begrudge you. Hmm. Maybe so. Do you want a rainbow one or do you want like a black one? Uh, I don't know. I'm not actually a very big accessory person. Like, I rarely wear necklaces or rings. Like, my ears aren't even pierced. So I think that if I was going to wear a choker, which I like in and of themselves, it would probably have to be, like, an understated kind of thing. Oh, I feel you. Oh, speaking of accessories and of uh, wearables, should we take a little commercial break? Yes, we should, because I'm a fashion guru, and uh, the message we have for you next is for people who want to be on my level of fashion uh, prowess. Oh, hi, Bryce. Oh, hi, Shana. You know how we've always said that we've got the best sponsors in the world? Those were fake. We don't have any sponsors. For once, you are incorrect. We have the best sponsor in the world, especially if you're looking for creative, comfy, silly, but earnest movie merch. Super Yaki has original t-shirts, sweatshirts, pins, National Treasure, Spy Kids, Nora Ephron, Star Wars, Judy Greer, Josie and the Pussycats, Jordan Peele, John Carpenter, and so much more. Bryce, do you have a favorite design? Oh, heck yeah, I do. I really love their dad hat that says music by John Carpenter on it and is in a nice burnt orange color. Ah, you look like such a good dad in that. Heck yeah, I do. You're doing great, kids. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. 
And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERFRIEND, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. So that's SUPERFRIEND, S-U-P-E-R-F-R-I-E-N-D. So check them out. Get yourself a new outfit to spice up your comfy movie binging quarantine lifestyle and support the USPS. What could be better? Visit them at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I dot C-O-M. And we're coming back. We would like to tell you that we too were just frozen in time. Like Piper just froze Dan um, in right after... He gave her a beautiful little necklace, mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, Dan, you're a man, and that's about it. That's all that there is about you, but you are very nice, too, so thank you. And then Phoebe shows up and is like, <laughs> and um, she has to exact, freeze Dan. That's exactly what she said. I mean, that's, that's basically, that's the facial expression, mm-hmm. I think. Wow. I I mean, I guess when you have two sisters and you live with them, there's just no privacy. No, absolutely not. Uh, Which is funny, too, because they're not even in the house. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, just no privacy no matter where you go if you have sisters. Yeah. Um, Which, personally, I can't speak to because my sister and I keep a very respectable independence and interdependence, so... uh, but I, yes, that must be the way it is. Well, um, these sisters anyway, seem very reliant on each other, very codependent. That is true. I could also be throwing you off the scent of my sister and I battling demons. <laughs> Damn, I yeah, hadn't considered that. Yeah, I, I, I know sense. you hadn't. But uh, you shan't consider it again because obviously it's untrue. Okay, I anyway, shall not. Anyway, so Piper freezes Dan um, right in the middle of... of after making out and right before going into another makeout and has to then be uh, be explained oh man i uh, what are words uh she is introduced at that moment to cupid phoebe's like hey this is cupid cupid has an issue he has a ring it's been stolen and now it's being used for evil okay finish up your makeout session and let's go quick quick very quick kiss oh what does she say okay hurry okay kiss very fast <laughs> Which I I loved. I also love Piper freezing people in like very inconvenient and silly situations in which she does it so like begrudgingly. And again, that just weariness. Mm -hmm. The weight of the world. Piper Piper has... Hilarious. I agree. And I also... Another um, level that I look at it is that Piper has one of the coolest powers. Like, it is so powerful and so useful in all situations. And she always hates having to be trotted out to use it. Absolutely. she. It definitely is like a token power. Mm-hmm. Um, or like the way that she has been made to use it. It's like, ah, oh, fine. <laughs> I'm solving all your problems, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, mm-hmm. so she unfreezes Dan and she has to go... And says, the problem is not with you at all. There's no problem, but I gotta go. Again. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway. Uh, anyway, we switch over to Drazi, the name of the demon who has the ring and is trying to sow hate into people. And he's stalking the couple from the very beginning. Um, and that's 
kind of it. Then we go back to Cupid in the manor with the three sisters trying to explain himself and they're just not buying it. And he's like, how do you fully get witches and demons, but not Cupid? And they were just like, it doesn't make any sense to us. Yep. Every the, Again, my favorite trope in these fantasy shows, leprechauns can't be real. That's a myth. <laughs> Cupid isn't real. That's a myth. Santa? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But it was really fun because we learned that there are multiple Cupids and that he is recently on this assignment for San Francisco. And we also learned that uh, while he has played a role in some of their most recent matchups, he was not allowed to match up Piper and Leo. So that connection was fully their own. Yes, and it was unsanctioned. Unsanctioned. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I wonder why they keep bringing Leo up if he's gone. Just gonna know. have to wait and see. I guess it's nothing. Yeah, I guess it's nothing. Uh, so yeah, then we might, go. Might not be anything. So we go back to Drazi, and he like slows down time, and he whispers in the couple's ear, like, "Oh, she's cheating on your. He's cheating on you, and she's a a gold digger." And then he unfreezes, or he makes time go back in its normal motion, and then the couple like starts yelling at each other, and then the man walks off in a huff, and then he gets hit by a car. Yeah, in a really ridiculous car crash. Yeah, he it's... like rolls over the uh, windshield. It reminds me of oh, this one scene in a movie. I can't remember which movie in which Brad Pitt gets hit by a car. And it's just like the most <laughs> dramatic sequence in the world. I should find that. Um, but it's But it's just like so obviously a stunt. So obviously like the kathump, kathump. Like, it's, it's so silly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, oh no, hate really does kill people <laughs> in this way specifically. It was, it was a very, um, what's it, like, misleading thing when we suddenly switch over back to Cupid, who, like, is clutching his chest, and the sisters are like, what's happening? And Cupid is like, I'm hurt because Drazi is killing love. And I was like, oh my god, that guy survived? <laughs> Yeah, they're fine. They're totally fine. It's love that's hurting, not this guy who now has to be in a wheelchair. So, but only in the hospital. We only, don't know. Yeah. We don't actually know. He he's in a wheelchair, what? but he seems like he'll make a recovery. Only one leg is in yeah. a cast. We don't know the extent of his injuries, but it was the heart that hurt most of yes. all, and not his broken bones. <laughs> Nothing hurts more than your feelings. You know what? That is sometimes true. Sometimes it is true. But he also got hit by a car. Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) I got hit by a car of feelings. (laughs) A semi truck of emotions. Semi truck of emotions. Oh. The alternate alternate name for this episode. Semi truck of emotions. Yeah, I like all these. You're really on a roll, Bryce. Thanks. I had a yeah. I had a green tea before this, so you know oh, the wow. caffeine is just wiring me up, guys. I'm just like bouncing off the walls. Okay, slow down there, buddy. Can't get too excited, except we can because guess what? What? There are flowers in Prue's hair. <gasps> Flower girl. Get power. excited. Flower girl powered. Super cute. Um, but anyway, at this scene of the crime, with which they they rush to. Uh, they find the demon, dra- Drowsy? Drowsy. Uh, dra- dra- <laughs> the enemy of love is sleep. 
true. <laughs> well, the enemy of sleep is love. Ah. Um, no, the enemy of love is not getting enough sleep. There ah. we go. Ah, ha, ha. Um, but anyway, uh, they go to fight him and Prue Astral projects and uses her new power and is still getting used to it. Um, but they go and they get him and they use a powdery thing to melt him into this big pile of tarish goo. And they're like, we did it halfway through the episode and we've already defeated the demon. And then... yep. They head home, and Cupid's like, "Ugh, well, the ring's gone. I can't go back to my Cupid family until I either have the ring or you make a spell for me. And so they're like, ah, well, Piper and Prue are going to the club tonight, so I guess it's Phoebe's who's going to stay home and make the spell. And they all... So lame. They all walk away. But then we see out of the puddle of black oil, Drawsy lives! He, he, he resurfaces, and he is unkillable. It was an uh, fake out. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes. That's so good. <laughs> Thanks, I just came up with it right now. <laughs> and anyway, so he's like, wow, I guess you really can't kill love. And I was like, shut up. Get out Get of here. Get out of here. The ring, the the ring protected him. Exactly. The ring made him survive and not be dead which was a bummer because i really liked that demon fake out death me too i was kind of into it and i was like wait how can i like rank two different deaths but they kind of end up being the same scene so yeah exactly but anyway we'll get to that so then we go to yeah phoebe is valued less because she's single so she has to do the work <laughs> she and has then... no marriage prospects so she will be a what are they called spinster yeah, she'll be a spinster kitchen wench forever. So the couples are at the club. They're they're, uh, they're... having a, a double date in the club. That's it. Yeah, which seems kind of irresponsible. But anyway, Phoebe is at home. And uh, Cupid is insulting her. <laughs> yeah, he's he's berating her for why she can't find love, which, I mean, that's your job. So I don't know why you're blaming yeah, her. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> His performance oh review is coming up. Oh my god, Cupid is a pickup artist. He's trying to make women feel bad about themselves. Oh no. So then he can swoop in. <gasps> no, I hate it. Oh, that's a rendition. That's a reading of a Cupid that I had not anticipated. I hadn't thought about it until right now when I was just so upset about Cupid, like, yeah, berating Phoebe for having boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, I believe my exact note was, Phoebe has boundaries and that's healthy, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cupid. <laughs> Stupid name. Yeah. <laughs> What kind of a name is Cupid anyway? <laughs> um, um, but okay. yeah, anyway, yeah, so he's yeah. like telling her that she has to open her heart and it's because it's so closed off and she's an ice queen, but she shouldn't be. And Phoebe's like, yo, what the heck? I am making a potion to send you home. What? Why are you doing this? That's really mean, actually. <laughs> but then... It turns out that the potion has an unnecessary aphrodisiac? I don't know. It's made of lavender and oysters and also chocolate. Gross. Delicious drink. Yum, 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 yum. 
And uh, to make matters worse, Mr. Cupid Man, like, comes up behind her and does the, like, Demi Moore ghost scene, <laughs> but, well, like, stirring a whisk. Uh, I wish and... I... How does the song go from that scene? I keep... I always hear it, but I forget it. Oh... Oh my yes, <laughs> or my love, yeah, my oh, darling, my love. I've hungered for your touch, and Phoebe's like ew, but she's also like mm, lavender of, and oysters. Yeah. It, the smell turns her on. Yep, and it's really boring, and it's like why? God, it's just. I don't know. It just feels like everything that Cupid is doing are all things that like a very a man who is like super taking advantage would do. Mm-hmm. It's super weird. I don't like it. He also has this very like overly confident vibe like I know exactly what you need. Let me tell you what's wrong with you, which is like I don't it's not an appreciated move. No, it's really not. None of this is. And yet again, I say Cupid should not be in this form. Um, But anyhow, or it makes sense. Actually, I retract my statement. It makes sense that Cupid is in this form because if we look at what the like more promoted ideas of how dating and romance should look like could only have been written by these men. Ah, ah. 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 I think if we were to ever get a troll for this podcast, it would be for this episode um, because I am just over and over denunciating men and how bad they are at romance. <laughs> um, and it's it's certainly not across the board. I've known some very lovely men in my time and continue to. Um, and have even dated a few, but I will say that I think my theory holds true about why Cupid is a man now. Mm -hmm. The generic interpretations of how we think love should play out are very uh, conducive to placing a man in the forefront of the relationship, and thus... In this show, we get to see a man decide how a relationship should go and tell off someone for not doing what he thinks is appropriate in terms of love. You freaking got it, Bryce. You got that. Wow. Bryce for Cupid. Oh, that's shucks. Shucks. But uh, yeah, write me in on the ballot. Bryce for Cupid 2020. So after this uncomfortable heart-to-heart, then we go to the club, and Piper and Prue are like, I need to go to the bathroom, and then do the Cupid shuffle over to the bathroom, and they start talking. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I said it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, okay, so then they go to the bathroom, and they're waiting in line, and they have their own heart-to-heart where they talk about, like, um, they should be allowed to search for love even though they feel as if there's the weight of the world on their shoulders and they have to hide the fact that they're witches. And they're, like, being super supportive of each other, and it's very cute. And then we go back to Dan and Jack at the club table, and they're, like, talking about how Piper and Prue are always disappearing, and they're like, what's that about? And then suddenly Phoebe and Cupid come into the club, confusing Dan and Jack even more, and Phoebe and Cupid's like, we need the sisters, and then they rush off to the bathroom. Uh, and that's when Ugh. we see Drawsy arrive and set his sights on Dan and Jack. 
and his little glowing ring glows an evil, jealous monster green. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. Um, also, can I tell you a story about falling in love in a, in a bathroom line for a bar? Okay. Okay. So the bathroom line for a bar is sacred. And I do think that AFAB people often go together as a kind of ritual and a sign of solidarity. Now, several years ago, my friend, my friend Phoebe and I went to a night out on the town at the Abbey, which is one of Los Angeles's more popular gay bars. Um, and we had decided we would kind of be each other's like wing, wing people and like watchmen more like actually to make sure that the other person was feeling safe and comfortable and if they needed an out we were right there and you know weren't getting into sticky situations or anything like that um but also so that we could show support if somebody wanted to make out with another person which is great <laughs> thumbs now, up in the corner i thought exact no that's exactly it now on this particular night we did engage in that sacred ritual of standing in the bathroom line for the bar together and while we were in this line we both started talking to people i started talking to a person in front of me she started talking to the person behind her and we got to talking and we had you know some nice little conversation i think at this point both of us were were fairly sober um and maybe had like one or two drinks during the night nothing that really would you know, be considered as inebriated. So we were on pretty solid footing. Now, we had such good conversations with the people in line during the bathroom line. It was it was a shame to see them go and actually go use the restroom. It was like, well, that's the end of that conversation, I guess. But then, once we got back onto the floor, both of these people kind of became like, oh, yeah, we'll dance with them. It's great. That's wonderful. Started dancing, and we started making out. And it was wonderful. Both had our, like, separate, sanctioned partners that seemed, like, very <laughs> safe, really lovely. And we were pretty much dancing with them and hanging out the whole night. Los Angeles bar shut down around 2, 2 a.m., which is very foreign, I think, for New York. Um, but at that time, we stayed until bar closed. And then, lo and behold, we figured out that the two people who had been on either side of us in the bar bathroom line, were friends. Not only were they friends, they had both come from Toronto on the same road trip, and they were visiting the sites together, and one of the sites was this historic gay bar. You know, well, historic is giving it a little too much credit, I think, but very <laughs> as well As historic as Los Angeles can get. Yeah, pretty much. Our trash city. I love it. But anyway... <laughs> So we found out they were both very nice Canadians, best friends. They were like, wait, you two are friends? It was incredible. And we all went out for tacos. Oh, that warms my heart in all of my heart places. Yeah, I hope they're doing well. Hope they're doing all right up in Toronto. It's cold up there. It's cold up there. But uh, yeah, that's my, that's my story about love in the bar bathroom line. Nice. I do like that. Um, and I also think that the bar bathroom line is the safest place to be because you are close to the bathroom should you need to go pee and you don't have to be stepped on by people dancing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah. That's, that's basically yep. my experience in, in bars, <laughs> just going to the bathroom line. 
three cheers for the bar bathroom line. Hip, hip, hooray. All right. Now we're back. We're back. Um, I'm going to speed through what happens next because I feel like it's less important. I mean, it's important, but I feel like we can just go through it without touching too much on it. Um, Please. Basically, Cupid uh, and Phoebe meet up with the sisters and they tell them the deal. Like, we have to say the spell so we can send Cupid home. Uh, unbeknownst to them, Drawsy has infiltrated infiltrated the relationships of piper and prue and when they when piper and prue go back to sit with dan and jack he tells them all things lies whatever to make them want to hate each other so then piper and dan and prue and jack all break up and that's the end of the bar night and piper and prue go back to the manor to comfort each other and cupid and phoebe realize okay drowsy's still alive we have to fight him we're gonna try to redo the matches that he broke up and maybe that will defeat him like maybe that'll hurt him enough to get the ring back or something so they go off to convince the woman from the first couple at the very beginning of the show to let love in and uh they succeed it's actually pretty impressive phoebe does very well and patches patches up the little relationship um by (laughs) giving that strange metaphor about fear and love or that that uh, truism about fear and love not being able to live in the same house mm-hmm. what house the it, house that phoebe built it was kind of a good talk though i feel like that talk revealed a little bit which it, i mean it was supposed to is very bald-faced um it revealed a little bit about how phoebe feels about her own relationship to love yeah absolutely i i agree with you as well this connection of like i also used to be afraid of losing people you know, or I am afraid of losing people still. That's something I still have trouble with. And that's why I have trouble letting them in. It's like, you know what? Okay, that is far more nuanced and individualized. And also something that a lot of people can relate to. Mm -hmm. That's what that would have been the perfect uh, way to structure the show something that is like very specific, but that everyone can see themselves a little bit in. Yeah, absolutely. So they had peaks of it like little little hints. But mm, Again, heavy-handed. So, so much throughout is heavy-handed. Um, so, and then mm-hmm. they, so they convince her to go save her crush, love, whatever. And uh, then uh, Phoebe, or Piper and Prue are back in the house and they're talking. And Piper is letting Prue know that actually some of the things that Dan was saying were kind of correct. Um, which was very interesting that even admits this, like, what what seems like a short firing kind of spell um, that is, like, very effective for a very short time and then wears off, but the damage is done, mm-hmm. still allows for some real reflection and thought. Uh, because also, yeah, when Drowsy was, like, whispering the things in Piper's ear, they weren't, like, not, they weren't fake things. Yeah, there's Piper, an element of Piper truth. does. Yeah, Piper does very much still, like, think about Leo, and she reveals that to Prue. Um, so they have this this moment where they're trying to talk about their feelings and about how uh, they hate Dan and Jack. And then Dan and Jack show up at the manor because Phoebe had called them, uh, paged them, to come over. And Phoebe tries to patch things up between all of them. Um, and it sort of starts to work, and then Cupid's like, okay, this plan to mend all of Drazi's broken matches is working. I can feel him coming to us. Like, he he knows what we're doing, and he wants to come confront us. So Phoebe sends Dan and Jack off, and they get ready for when Drazi arrives. 
Yeah. Uh, this intervention needs pizza was her <laughs> excuse for sending them off, which I was like, you're totally right. All interventions um, need pizza. They do. They really do. Any serious meeting, any meeting at all actually needs pizza. <laughs> yeah. Will, that, will there be food there? Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, he, Drowsy, shows up and, and says, hello, lover boy. And it's actually very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Drowsy actually has some good lines, I think, or like very... Very generic, but still very, like, effective, like, canonical kind of lines mm-hmm. for this, like, evil, creepy villain who's been spurned and burned by love, so now he wants everyone to hate. I actually um, kind of think his character is fun. Like, he's he's just somebody who wants to cause mischief. Yeah, true. Mischief and also car crashes. Oh, but yeah, that, that one... Wasn't, that one was you know, cool. that wasn't really his fault. Yeah, he's <laughs> not... just the guy he, not watching. Drazi doesn't kill people. He kills love. Ah, 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 interesting. So, anyway, um, Drazi has a hold of Cupid, and Piper freezes both of them so that they can figure out a way to get Drazi out of there and also save Cupid. And what Phoebe does is take the ring from Drazi's hand, put it on Cupid's hand, and then decide to throw the same dust again. And uh, the other sisters are like, "But is it? Isn't?" that risky because you don't know if this is going to work if it's actually going to kill one guy and save the other and phoebe is like love is a risk i you know it's a risk i might have to take so contrived as is love i was like lol love is a risk so i might kill this guy oh well (laughs) and i was like honestly cupid serves you right for giving all these kind of cliches well i mean lucky for him it worked out because the ring does save his life and it once again melts Drazi and in my favorite line that a demon says on this show and I think a lot of demons say it they always go not again as they like dissolve into the yeah. ground I love that <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of and I would have gotten away with it too <laughs> yes yes it is yeah no it's pretty fun um so anyway so he's gone and so Cupid can now make his exit because he has his ring but not before giving Phoebe a kiss. Okay. Uh, yep. A very, like, small kiss. But when Phoebe turns around, she's like, wow, that guy can kiss. And I was like, it was like a peck. I know. It was like, maybe that was an artistic choice. Like, he has more kissage in his tiniest little <laughs> yeah, peck on the cheek than most men have in a French kiss or something. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, well, she's wooed. She's wooed. We got rid of Cupid. And then end scene, our denouement, we go back to the movie theaters and it's a triple date again. But this time Phoebe has not been stood up and she like says a bunch of stuff to her date to prove that she is open to love now. Yay, she did it. She worked through every single one <laughs> of her insecurities without a licensed therapist. <laughs> Surely this has worked. Yeah, surely there is no more to do or examine within yourself. She was like, I have discovered exactly what I need to overcome my inner self-doubt, and uh, I'm going to take a chance now on Kevin. Yeah, (laughs) oh my god. Jack, Dan, and Kevin. Yep, bad. Can you believe it? I, I simply, and she lies about the movie. Oh, yeah. She says she likes the movie. When, in fact, she had fallen asleep during it 
during it at the beginning of the episode. So there you have it, folks. Love wins. And we lie for love. All right. And we lie for love. And that's real, true love. And if your insecurities ever actually come out, then everyone will leave you and you'll die alone. Uh, so take everything that you're afraid about and that you don't like about yourself, smoosh it into a little ball, and then just keep it in the center of your soul and never talk about it. And never let anybody get close. <laughs> never. Uh, and, that's, and that's the episode. And that's the episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, Demon Death? Demon Death, um, it was it was actually more enjoyable than most Demon Deaths. I have not been ranking them that high, so I don't think I'm going to rank this one that high. Maybe like a three and a half out of five Jeremy's. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's not too bad. I'm actually, I'm going to give it like a 3.8. or three point, Yeah, 3.85. Oh. Because I really actually thought this effect was like unique and weird and mm. the things that took away from it were that it had to happen twice um mm. but i i liked it i thought it was dramatic and a little horrifying i so. a part of me also liked it because i was like i enjoyed the imagery of showing hate as nothing but like this dark very viscous goo and i was like that does Ooh. what that is what hate sometimes feels like interesting that's so literalized. I like it. And, like visualized. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So not too bad. Um, and then, Bryce. Yeah? Do you have any thoughts um, on this episode? Closing thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I, I think that the writers of the show, maybe subconsciously, decided that they were going to give the boring love interests single-syllable names that had no poetry. So Dan and Jack, Kevin is two syllables, but it is also not a poetic name. Whereas Andy, kind of a poetic name. Leo, kind of a poetic name. Uh, John Cho, kind of a poetic name. John Cho! <laughs> Very poetic name. And uh, what about you? Closing thoughts? Um, Okay. I would say when someone demands that you open your heart for the sole purpose of letting others in, you do not actually have to take this person up on their demand, no matter what they're saying, what they're slinging, whether it be love poems or lavenders, oysters, and chocolate. <laughs> You're the person who has the key to your heart and your greatest love is yourself. So you have to treat yourself right. And that doesn't mean that you need to be closed off to everyone, but you can be the judge of how comfortable you feel with individuals and in various situations. So look within yourself, but you don't have to listen to the guy that you just met. Yes. Good, good, good. And I also had an image in my mind when you were saying, hey, if someone tells you to open your heart, I imagined it like someone coming to your door trying to say, like, open your door. And then you would say back to them, no, no soliciting. And then you would close the door in their face. <laughs> and that's the imagery I had. Open your door. 
Open your heart, damn it. Um, but I <laughs> like what, your door. I like what you no, said. No, you. <laughs> I like what you said, and I also just imagine this extra layer of someone saying no soliciting and closing the door. I really like that, honestly. I think that's great. <laughs> oh, man. So close the door on love, <laughs> the end. <laughs> Take your emotions and just bundle them up into a big ball and hide them. And hide them forever where no one will ever find them. Take them and whisper them into the knotted, like, <laughs> knotted hole of a gnarled old tree on a mountain and then stuff that little hole with grass mm -hmm. so that no one will ever be able to find it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. My name is Shayna. You can find me at Bernadette Teeters. I am Bryce. You can find me at your best Bryce. And one day, maybe finished Foodstagram. Um, together, we are Charmed Spellcast. You can find us at Charmed Spellcast on Instagram, or you can email us, charmedspellcast at gmail.com. Thank you so, so much. Hope you guys are all doing all right. And if you're not, that's really okay, too. We hope this adds something to your day. Mm -hmm. Phoebe has boundaries, and that's healthy, bitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cupid. Stupid name. Wow. Price for Cupid. and standards you've been listening to earbud media production earbud media audio for everyone